I wrote an introduction months ago to the book on page five of your book. You'll find it on page five if you, if you uh, may or may not have read it as you were getting started in the introductory material. But the Kingdom um, Orientation Day, I was trying to figure out, okay, how could I just run everybody through this really quickly, the Sermon on the Mount, and particularly the way we're going to address it here on Monday mornings. And um, I kind of saw it this way. It's like high school orientation day. You meet with a big group. Um, somebody takes you on a tour through your new high school, and you're like, I'm here. I've arrived. Elementary school, done. Middle school, check that. Got it over. Now we're in high school, and this is, just, yeah, I mean, this is just the ultimate. And somebody meets you, and you got a little group of people, and they begin to show you around campus. Or they begin to take you on a tour of wherever you are. If you've ever done any of these like overall intro tours, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And in Matthew chapter 5, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, we find ourselves at the beginning of the tour in this big wide open space. It's like a town square. It's a big wide open space called the Beatitudes, where we all meet on level ground. It's kind of like where we all meet and we are equally blessed. We find our status there in Matthew chapter 5, that we're blessed children of God, that we're invited into the kingdom of God. We go from this beautiful kind of huge, you know, atrium, entryway, wonderful area. And from there, they take us right over to the auditorium where we not only discover uh, the stage, but even backstage. And the auditorium is where we learn about salt and light. We find that we have a voice, that we have a platform from which to present the good news of the gospel, from which to present who we are. And we learn how to be salt and how to be light in the world around us. We find that we have a voice and we experiment with it. And we learn how to use the voice that we have in order to project and in order to declare the good news of the kingdom of God. And from the theater then in week three, we went to the courthouse that was just last week where we were in the courthouse where we discovered where laws are, are made and maintained, where boundaries are maintained. And we learned to see that the law is a good thing. It was, it was created for our benefit to keep us healthy, to keep us living in a place of peace and rest and prosperity. And for all of that, the law is absolutely necessary and is so beneficial for our lives. And then we might ask ourselves, how in the world can we live up to the law that Jesus presents? Because he put the law out there. He says, I need you to do better, way better than the scribes and the Pharisees who make it their business to follow the law. I need you to do better than that. I need you to understand that we're going to come at this from a different kind of well-being, a different kind of health. He takes that law that they were familiar with. He raises the bar way up and he says, you can do this because my spirit is going to do it through you. I am going to live in you. This law is not written on stone tablets. This law is not written on parchment. This law is written on your hearts. And I'm going to be the one who is there to help you to be, to live a life that is obedient to the law. And he gives us some pretty hard stuff like, you've heard it said that you're supposed to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I'm telling you to love your enemy. I'm telling you to bless those who persecute you. And there's one right there that you might think, oh, no way, no way could I manage that. No way could I possibly become the kind of person who can bless those who curse me, who can take people who've offended me, who've hurt me, caused me harm, and want the best for them. This week, Jesus is saying, okay, put your yoga pants on. We're going to go to the gym 
and I'm going to give you some spiritual exercises. I'm going to give you some exercises that you can do that your spirit working along with my spirit in these exercises together, you can become the kind of person, a kingdom dweller, someone who lives deep, deep in the kingdom of God, who has that kind of health, that kind of well-being available to them that we can do things beyond that things we've ever even thought of before. In the kingdom is where we will learn how to be people of love and compassion, of forgiveness and grace and mercy. We're going to look at our king and we're going to model our life after him and say, I'm capable of kingdom living because the spirit is living deep in me. He gives, me these, gives us these exercises that we can do. We go to the gym and he gives us three of them. Charitable giving, prayer, and fasting. He gives us three examples of spiritual exercises. And he tells us that we are to practice, practice, practice. Three examples, charitable giving, prayer, and fasting. Now, those are not the only three spiritual exercises. There are all kinds of them. Um, I've got a, if you're interested in resources, let me know. I'll let you know. I've got, I've got books full of, of these kind of spiritual exercises. Things you can do to address issues of health and well-being in your life. Um, cooperating with God's spirit to bring us to a greater place of health and well-being. And Jesus opens up this section. It's on page 109 in your Bible study. On page 109 in your Bible study. Matthew chapter 6. And the first few verses of chapter 6. In fact, I'm just going to read the first verse um, for us right here. He says this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And the phrase, of course, that catches my attention is practice your righteousness. Practice is this this idea that we do something over and over and over again in order to achieve some sort of skill level with it, in order to achieve some sort of proficiency with it. Practice is a repeated exercise. It's something that, that we can engage in. It's something we can participate in. And Jesus is saying, I'm just going to show you three, but I want you to look at these three exercises, but I need you to look at how you practice your righteousness. And he gives us three kind of things that that I think that stick out to me right away. I'm going to run through them and then we'll spend a minute or two on each one. First of all, that Jesus assumes that this kind of practice is actually part of our lives. He says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. It is not like you might consider thinking about possibly maybe engaging in some of these, but, but the, it's almost like an assumption straight out there. When you do this, do it this way, not that way. The second thing is that form is important. Form is primary. Now, I don't know when's the last time you maybe took a class with, with an instructor, like a health instructor or a fitness instructor. Um, oh, man, do, do, we, do we have any people who are into, you know... Uh, what are, I don't, I can't even say them because I'm so not into it. I, I go to boot camp. It's like push-ups, but there's like really complicated dance things. What is that called? Say it again. Zumba. <laughs> I guess I wanted to call it Roomba. That's my vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Zumba, Pilates, yoga. So stuff like that takes a little more skill, takes a little more method. And the instructor is working on form. 
It's not okay to just go out there and flop around and do it in whatever way seems right to you. You could injure yourself if you don't do it with the right form. And so the instructor's working on form, asking you to watch yourself in a mirror, painful as it may be, to to make sure that your posture is right, to make sure that you're doing the thing correctly. And Jesus is going to say the same thing to us with these exercises. He's going to say form is primary. It's really important that you do it the right way. Don't do it out on the street corner. Don't do it at the top of your lungs. Don't do it to be seen by men. Don't do it to receive applause from the people around you. But do it in secret. Do it in in an intimate relationship with your father. Therefore, you'll receive. Then you will receive a reward from God. That's the third thing I noticed really quickly about all of these is that there's a reward attached to each one. We know that there's a reward attached when we discipline ourselves to exercise. When we discipline ourselves to to physically exercise, there's a reward attached to that. Usually there's a greater sense of health, of well-being. Um, They've done scientific studies to see what's going on in our brains, all kinds of activities going on in our brains that say, yes, yes, yes. That that is a good feeling. That is a feeling of well-being and health. That's what we're we're working off of. It, It we're rigged in such a way that we receive these positive feedback when we do these kind of healthy things. And Jesus is saying there's a right way to do these and there will be a reward. If we do so in the right manner, if we do so with the right motive, and if we do so in conjunction with our heavenly father, in other words, in a state of obedience to him, not running out ahead of him going, I'm, I'm going to do this, this, and this, but rather in obedience to God saying, in obedience to you, I want to fulfill the plan that you have given me for my good health. Going to the gym, going to work it out. So looking at it a little bit closer, um, again and again, it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of other people. And then it says, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, the assumption being that we are going to do these things, the assumption on the part of Jesus and the instruction on the part of Jesus is that we actually engage in them. Um, my husband is not a big traveler. I'm a huge traveler. This is the problem. It means a lot of the things that I go off and do, I have to do without him. I find girlfriends to travel with or whatever. And he's like, really, I'm fine if you just show me the pictures, you know, when you get home. It's good with me. I'm like, how can you, how can you even think that way? I don't understand that at all. You've got to engage in it, man. You've got to experience it. He, he loved to downhill ski. And I, I said, you know what? If I were to go out and go downhill skiing and take pictures of me and my friends downhill skiing and come home and show you pictures of it, I couldn't possibly describe to you what skiing is like unless you're actually out there doing it. It's the engagement. It's the same thing with these, these spiritual practices. They are engagement. Um, if you looked up, if you t- took a moment in your Bible study this week to look up the word practice in the dictionary, you may have seen something like this. Practice is the actual application or use of an idea or a method as opposed to theories about such applications. It's, it's the actual application as opposed to the theory. It's doing it rather than looking at someone's photo album. It's actually behaving in such a way that you're engaging in that life-changing transformation. 
practice is to perform, this is the verb form, to perform an activity or an exercise or to do a skill, to practice a skill repeatedly or regularly in order to improve or maintain one's proficiency. To do something repeatedly in order to maintain proficiency, to to gain or to maintain proficiency. So in other words, we're not supposed to be the kind of people who can bless those who curse us. But practice, through practice, we can become the kinds of people that Jesus is describing in the Sermon on the Mount. These kind of people, these kingdom people who live at a different level, on a different playing field, all together. It is by practice that we enter into the kingdom. It's by engaging in it, not by reading books about it or sitting off to the side and thinking about it, but rather by getting into the, to the middle of it and practicing engagement in it regularly. Um, to, tell, to tell us to run out and bless those who curse us would be similar to taking somebody off a couch where they've been a couch potato for months and saying, go run a marathon. It's 26, what is it, 0.2 miles or something like 26 miles. Go run a marathon. They couldn't. They couldn't possibly just stand up from the couch and throw away the bonbons and, and run 26 miles. But if they trained, if they started a training regimen and they ran one mile a day, and two miles next week, and five miles the week after that, through, through training and discipline, and maybe changing the way we eat, maybe changing the way we do things in, in the other parts of our lives, sleep, through a, a regimen of training, then, maybe by April, maybe in time for the marathon, the Oklahoma City Marathon, maybe by then we could be ready to run a marathon. Because it, it's not about trying It's about training. It doesn't matter how hard you try. You can try and try and try. But it won't happen until we train. That's practicing righteousness. That's practice the practice of spiritual disciplines or spiritual exercises. That's what gets us in shape. That training versus trying is something I discovered years ago from Dallas Willard and many other writers have followed his example um, in, in talking about it that way. That's when it finally started to make sense to me. No way could I go out there and run a marathon today. But if I began to train today, then ultimately through practice and through power, I could possibly get there. The power that we have is from God's Holy Spirit. It's not in us. We are not going to be able to achieve it on our own, no matter how hard we try and try and try. But by training and with the power of God's spirit, we can get there. Now, the thing is, it needs to be regular. It needs to be something that we do on a regular basis. It needs to be something that's methodical. That's how practice works. It's not something you can just go out and do one time and then you're good but it's something that you begin to implement into your lifestyle as a way of living or a way of life. The Latin word for it is regula, regula, and it's what I described to you at the end of your chapter this last week in The Rule of Life. Um, And that Latin word regula 
also means trellis or a strong post or foundation upward around which can grow a vine, a living thing. So the trellis is the standard, the strong foundation, and the vine is the life that grows up and around it. And if a vineyard is set upon a strong foundation of trellises, then it will be able to live and breathe. The fruit, as the fruit comes out, will be able to live and breathe, receive the breezes, receive the nourishment from the ground, and grow strong. Jesus said he, he painted the life, the Christian life or the kingdom life as a vineyard. He said, I'm the branch and you're the branches. I'm the vine, sorry, he said, and you're the branches. And if you'll remain connected to me, if you'll maintain this organic life-giving connection that provides all the nourishment you need, and if your life is placed on a trellis, on a platform, then you will provide much fruit. My hope, my will, my goal for you, my five-year goals and 10-year goals for your life is to, is, to, is to provide much fruit. Fruit is the thing by which we can nourish the people around us. Fruit is the thing that, that we provide, that we present to the world, that we are able to contribute to the world as we are remaining strongly connected to the vine, to Jesus Christ. This happens through this connection and through this exercise. Jesus said that prime is absolute, that, that, that form is absolutely primary. Uh, let me show you in, in the text. On page 109, um, page 109, if you have your highlighters or pens with you, um, take a red one and a green one. If you don't have those with you, then use whatever you've got or just look at it with me or whatever. But on page 109, um, I like to take the things I'm not supposed to do and circle them in red or outline them in red, like a big red light, red light, green light. So first, red, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your father in heaven. Big red line around that, big red box around that. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, red. Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Verse three and four, I put a big green box all the way around verse three and four. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that in your giving, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is taking us to the gym. And like a coach, he's saying, here's the exercise. Don't do it like this. Don't do it like this. Do it like this. Form is primary. It's important that we do it with the right motives. It's important that we examine our purpose for being there and our goals and why we're trying to do this. We're trying to institute a relationship with God. So, the motive behind it is very important. Don't do it. And then in all of the sections, you can see that. Red, when you pray, do not do it like the hypocrites do. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Don't do it like that. Big red box. Rather, go into your closet. Green box. Go into your closet and talk to your father. 
who's there with you in secret. And then you'll be rewarded. That's the green box. That, that red light, green light as we go through scripture. Don't do it like this, but do it like this. Form is absolutely important that we find at the root of it our motives. And then we'll know our purpose. And then we'll be able to realize our reward. We're doing our exercises. Finally, um, the observation is the word reward. If you look for repetitions in scripture, you'll see the word reward over and over in this section of scripture. There are rewards. Those who are doing it to grandstand on a stage in front of others, they've got their reward. People look at them and go, my, what spiritual giants, what holy people. Man, they're, I would like to be like that. They've received their reward. That's it. But, but when we do it with correct form, when we give and pray and fast as an intimate obedience to God, our Father, as we do that, not out there for the, for the world's applause, but for added intimacy to our relationship with God, then we receive the reward that God gives. That reward comes in a deeper knowledge of God himself. That reward comes in the form of the capacity to to recognize his voice. You know how when certain people call you, they don't even have to say their name. You hear their voice on the phone and, and bingo, you know exactly who that is. We can get there with God where his voice is so clear It rings out so clearly above the din and all the other voices that are around us that we recognize it immediately. That comes from practice, practice, practice in hearing the voice of God in prayer and Bible study. The reward is this deeper intimacy with God. Um, Several years ago, I uh, was living in Dallas at the time, and I went to a gym uh, the students at Dallas Seminary were given a membership at this really awesome gym. I would have never thought of joining such a place, but it was just really uh, beautiful. And then I immediately was assigned um, a trainer who came and met with me the first day, and she talked to me about my goals and uh, how, what I wanted to achieve, you know, at the gym. And I was like, didn't even really know what to exactly say, but she worked with me through it and kind of figured out what, what I wanted to accomplish or hope to see. And then she assigned me a certain, a certain number of exercises. And she said, do this every, if you do this three times a week, start over here and then go over there and then go over here and do this and do this, this many repetitions, this many, whatever. Then we're going to start to address the, the issues that you're talking about in the same way with spiritual disciplines, in the same way with these exercises of our spirit, we can address spiritual dis-ease. We can address spiritual health issues. We can begin to work with God's spirit to bring us to a greater place of health. These are some of the rewards. For just taking these three, for example, charitable giving. Charitable giving means above and beyond the tithe that we give to our church. It means the kind of, the, the, the kind of um, sacrificial kind of giving, the kind of giving that we feel it a little bit. It's like, oh, that stings just a little bit. Um, but I'm, but I'm going to remove that from my own budget this, this month or whatever so that I can give charitably, so that I can give generously um, to, to a little branch of the kingdom. Um, particularly that targets the issue of trust. That's the muscle kind of group we're targeting when we give charitably. 
trust. Who do I trust? Because primarily the main contender for trust in our lives is money. Money is the thing that we kind of begin to rely on. You can see it in our language. Trust, security, futures, save. We expect money to save us. We expect money to be our security. We expect money to be our hope for the future. And God is saying, trust me, trust me. Charitable giving is an exercise targeting the muscle group of trust and faith. Fasting is an exercise targeting a muscle group of desire. What do I want? What does my body call out for? What, if I removed it from my existence, would my body say, hey, I need some caffeine down here. I need some of the, I need something down here. I need this. That's why we usually go straight to food when we're talking about fasting. It's the, it's the habits that you've ingrained in your own self, in your own lifestyle. As we start to remove those things, we prove to our bodies, you're not the boss of me. King Jesus is the boss of me. As we begin to do those kind of exercises, we train our desires. We train our affections to love, to adore, to worship the right things. And then prayer. Prayer is the primary spiritual formation tool. Prayer is the exercise recommended for absolutely everyone. It is the full body workout. It is the absolute essential. This conversation with God trains us to go to him, trains us that we are not capable of achieving what we want on our own. In prayer, we learn to listen and hear the voice of God. We learn to discern the voice of God and to know it from different voices in our lives so that we can understand what he's calling us to do and the direction he wants us to go. Prayer. This section right here that we studied this week, particularly the Lord's Prayer, is the dead center of the Sermon on the Mount. In historic literature, in in the history of literature, middles are important. Beginnings are important, ends are important, and middles are important. You find what's at the very beginning, find what's at the very end, and then find what's right in the middle. That's the the Lord's Prayer. Specifically where Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. On earth, in my marriage, in my family, may your kingdom come over my finances. May your kingdom come over my household. May your kingdom come in my church. May your kingdom come in my habits. May your kingdom come over my calendar. May your kingdom come in every nook and cranny of my life, just as it is in heaven. Give me today just what I need for today. And don't lead me into temptation. Protect me, preserve me from the evil one because he's there And he's also real. For the power and the kingdom and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Jesus teaches us to pray. May your kingdom come. As we enter into this sense of obedience with God, his kingdom comes. Where his kingdom comes, his will is done. As we begin to dedicate every nook and cranny, every dark corner of our lives to the kingdom of God, we will find his kingdom rushing in 
and coming in every place, that's when we know what it is to be in the wide open spaces of being blessed. That's when we know what it is to be joyful, deeply happy, deeply blessed. It's right here in the kingdom of God. This kingdom is the richest, most healthy, most vibrant environment there is. We have the capacity here for full, deep breaths, filling our lungs with kingdom air. We have the capacity to to be healthy and well, to live in a sense of well-being like nothing we've ever imagined or could imagine outside of God's kingdom. And it comes with the presence of God, with the presence of the Spirit through these exercises. May God's kingdom come. In practical terms, I want you to think about um, a life coach. Some of you in the room may even be life coaches. You may have hired a life coach. You might have uh, enlisted somebody to help you kind of plan your life and and decide what you're going to do with each day in order to achieve goals for the future. I want you to imagine that King Jesus has applied for the job of your life coach. Would you hire him? Is he intelligent enough? Is he someone you admire? Is he someone you respect? Is Jesus someone with the kind of forethought? Is is he the kind of, of master that you would say, okay, I'm in. I'll do what you say. If you say, do this and this and this before you go to bed tonight, I'm in. That's discipleship. That's saying, Jesus is a master. He's my master. And I will be obedient. I will comply with what he recommends for my future because he sees a much brighter future for myself than I even see for myself. Consider King Jesus applying for the job to be your life coach. I want you to talk about that at your roundtables as you go to your groups today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to make regular trips to this spiritual gym that you've introduced us to. Teach us to be attracted to the kind of exercises that can provide the kind of health and well-being that we're looking for. Be gentle with us as you point out illness and disease in our lives that we might address by engaging with you in your kingdom in these ways. Help us and lead us and guide us. Help us to always be moving in obedience to you, never never running out and making the prescription on our own, but always following you in obedience. And as we do, help us to experience, to really feel it, greater health in the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.